Welcome to Testimonies with Tiffany, the podcast that is sure to challenge and grow your faith. Join me as we hear personal testimonies from ordinary people having radical encounters with Jesus. Together, we'll learn the power of believing God and His Word. I hope it inspires you to look at how God is showing Himself faithful in your life and challenges you to step out and testify. Welcome back to Testimonies with Tiffany. I'm your host, Tiffany Tombry. Y'all, here we are again, episode 33, and I am super excited about this one. I, I tend to say that every time I record an episode, and I was thinking about it before jumping on this episode, like, why, why am I so excited every time? that I get the opportunity to do this. And I just started thinking like hearing the faithfulness of God, hearing the goodness of God, what he's done in someone else's life, it never gets old and it is always encouraging. And it and it's comforting to know that, that other people go through things and that God will use it for his glory. And so I'm just excited again to be here episode 33. Y'all are in for a treat with our guest today. She's a fifth generation minister. She fell in love with Jesus at the age of 10 and has a passion for his presence ever since. She began her ministry when she was a teenager as a Sunday school teacher. She feels honored and blessed to have served in practically every department of her local church, giving her a unique perspective and ability to connect with others. Partnering with her husband, Randy, they have served as youth pastors at their local church in Beaumont, Texas, after which they moved to Pensacola, Florida, and became associate pastors at Brownsville Assembly of God under the leadership of John and Brenda Kilpatrick. After three years of evangelizing across America, serving as youth pastors and associate pastors, in 1992, they answered the call to start Calvary Worship Center in Austin, Texas, during the decade of harvest with the Assemblies of God. After six years in Austin, God led them to move to Columbus, Ohio, to serve as senior pastors at Easton Worship Center. In 2003, they were asked to return to Pensacola and help lead the congregation at Brownsville as the executive pastors and later senior pastors. Having gone full circle today, they are back in Beaumont, Texas, serving as lead pastors at One City Church. In addition to co-leading with her husband, she is also a woman who is a woman's pastor. She has a heart for women and delights in seeing them become all they were created to be for the kingdom through prophetic insight and feels called to stir the body of Christ to bring in the harvest. She loves visiting and ministering in other countries and learning about different cultures. She's been married 44 years and is a proud parent of two children and a proud grandparent of six. Much of her time is focused on family, and she spends it with them in the mountains snow skiing, at the lakes and the beaches and the water parks, and going to the deer camp. This is a woman of honor. She's a woman of integrity. She's a woman who is a lover of Jesus, and it is my honor and privilege to introduce to y'all Pastor Suzanne Felshaw. Hi, Tiffany. Hello. It's such an honor to join you today. I'm so excited about this. This is my, I know I've told you in private, but this is the very first time I've ever been a guest on a podcast. So it's a new experience for me. <laughs> well, I'm excited that it gets to be with me. And um, I'm, yeah, I'm just really excited. I'm excited at what the Lord's going to do in this episode. And I'm looking forward to the time that we have together. And just hearing what the Lord has done in your life. And I know that there's going to be men and women listening that are going to be able to glean from your experience. And they're going to be able to be encouraged at the faithfulness and the goodness of God through your story. And so, Pastor Suzanne, I just want to go ahead. I don't want to waste any more time. I want to just let you take it over and um, go for it. Okay. Well, before I... I go into what I want to talk about, which is, <laughs> I hope I don't jump around too much because I've, my heart's so full uh, of uh, all the things that God has done. But I really feel like that he, he gave me something to share with you, to encourage you. And I don't want to get to the end of the recording and forget to uh, give it to you. But I want to, um, 
I want to encourage you uh, because you have stepped out in obedience with this podcast, among other things God has led you to do. And when God's children talk about him, uh, about his mighty deeds, and they celebrate him, he takes note. He literally takes note. In Malachi uh, 3, um, God refers to a faithful remnant. And I'm just going to read verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. And on that day, when I act, they will be my treasured possession. And it goes on to talk about God's blessings, but I just really wanted you to be encouraged because every time you do one of these podcasts, it's, it's a conversation uh, with someone and you're lifting his name high and he is watching, he is listening, he is keeping a record and you are his treasured possession. And so God just wanted me to, to share that with you today. I don't know where you're at and if you needed that today, but um, he just really showed me. I think about that anytime I'm having conversations with, with people about the Lord and how he has that book of remembrance and he's making a record of our conversations. And uh, that's just exciting to me that there is a record being kept of our conversations that glorify the Lord. Pastor Suzanne, I want to thank you for that. I did not, I was not aware of that scripture, but I have been meditating on the Lord remembering that specific phrase. And one person I've been kind of sitting with is Hannah. We know that the, the Bible says in first Samuel that the Lord remembered her and then she, she conceived. And so I've just been kind of sitting on that phrase, the Lord remembered. And so that is special to me. And um, I did need that. So I appreciate your obedience to share that with me and not let this time slip by and, and, and share it with me. So the Lord oh. remembered. Amen. Amen. It's just so exciting to me. There's just so much about God that we don't know. There's so many facets about him and he just reveals a new facet to us uh, just all the time. And I, I just am amazed at him and his glory and who he is and how much he loves us and all the things that he does for us in our lives. Um, one scripture that I wanted to read, it's kind of, I mean, I have several, but <laughs> this one in particular, Psalm 45 uh, verse five, many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. And that's how I feel today, Tiffany. I've just got so many things that, that the Lord has done in my life. And I'm trying to decide, you know, what, where to, where to begin. Um, I, I guess probably the, the, I have seen God, even before I knew him and stories were told after I was older of his goodness in my life. And he saved my life, literally saved my life. Uh, I was dying as an infant with double pneumonia and, and he, my, my parents were in California. My dad was in service uh, in the Marines and they called home and that's what you did back then. You know, you didn't first, go to the doctor. You called home and you asked people to get on their knees and pray. And uh, it, it, I won't go into all the details, but miraculously, I was not supposed to live, but the Lord, he, he intervened uh, with a, with a full bird colonel uh, who came to my aid and, um, and rescued me and, and uh, doctored me and uh, doctored me back to health. And, um, as you said earlier, I, I've grown, I am fifth generation in the ministry and really and truly I'm, I'm studying my heritage. I, I think it could be, go even back further than that. Um, but I have a whole family full of ministers, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents. I mean, I feel so, so blessed. And um, like you said, I began teaching Sunday school when I was about 14. And and uh, my husband started preaching when he was about 14. So it was really kind of cool uh, for that to happen. But, and, and, you know, a lot of things happened in our life. We got married young. We, we, we were in full-time ministry by the time we were 19. And... Um, when I say full-time ministry, our pastor sent us out, um, with two revivals and 
he said, if you can't make it on that, then it's just not God's will for you <laughs> to be wow. traveling. And so we got through those first two revivals and my husband really, I mean, he had one of those um, Abraham Isaac moments where he had to really just go. He literally went to the church one day and laid his ministry down on the altar and said, God, I don't know what to do now. I've, I've preached these these two revivals and I, I'm totally dependent on you and I lay my ministry down. And if you want me to go further, if you want Susanna and me to go further, we will, if not, we'll pack it up and go home. And sure enough, the phone rang and we started getting phone calls after that. Uh, so we traveled from East coast to West coast, uh, all the way up and down, uh, the East coast up to Delaware, um, to Florida, all across to California, and uh, it was it was a constant living by faith and seeing the hand of God provide. Uh, I went through both of my pregnancies on the road traveling and um, uh, another time when God literally saved my life was when uh, Amy was born. Uh, she was born premature and we both almost died a couple of different times and God rescued us. Uh, she is, um, she's our miracle child. Um, that's a whole other testimony. So I'm kind of just going through my little life story and, uh, I wanted to hit the pocket of when, uh, God called us to Austin to start the church, uh, there in Austin, because, you know, when you are totally dependent on God and he has called you to do something bigger than yourself, then that's when you really start to see miracles happen. Uh, in your life that's and that's where we've seen I would say the majority we've seen miracles just all through our life but if if I was going to pick a time frame in our life where we really saw a miracle after miracle after miracle it was during uh the 90s when we were when we lived in Austin Texas and um uh we you know, we've always lived, I've lived my life since I've known the Lord at 10 years old. I can go back as far as, oh, whenever I was 12, just God would tell me something and he would speak it to my spirit. And I mean, I, it was, it was a, it was a innocence, I guess, about me that I just, if God said it, I believed it. If I read it in his word, I believed it. And mm -hmm. I just lived my life like that. And my husband's the same way. And so when God gave us the direction to go to Austin to start this church, well, we were like, okay, that's what we'll do. And when we left Pensacola, we did come back home. We came here for six months because the word does tell you to count the cost before you, before you do something. And so we did that. We came here, we prayed, we fasted. And when we felt like we had the green light, we had a hundred dollars in our pocket and loaded up in the, in the, uh, U-Haul van and, and went to Austin. And, uh, we, uh, to even find a place to live there, we, um, this was how innocent, I mean, naive, I guess, not innocent, but naive we were, uh, just to follow the voice of the Lord. And when we went to try to find a place to live, we knew it needed to be temporary. We didn't have money to buy a house or anything. And so we were just looking for a place to rent. And so we started looking at apartments and, um, and we went to probably one or two places and they handed us applications and we'd get back in the car and we'd look at each other and we're like, Oh, they actually want us to have a job. <laughs> they actually want us to have income, you know, so that they know we're going to be able to pay rent. And here we are with no job and no, all we had was a promise of $500 from um, Brownsville Assembly of God and $500 from the North Texas district when we started our church. But before, you know, you have to get there, you have to get your kids in school, there's things you have to do. So we were there six months, well, four months before we even started. So uh, anyway, so we, we just looked at each other and we're like, oh man, God is going to have to do something miraculous because we can't fill out these applications. We don't have income. We don't have a job. And so um, it was probably the, maybe the second day of us riding around and praying and looking for a place. And 
we were a little bit defeated going back to uh, our friend's house that we were uh, staying at. And I had an apartment guide in my lap and I was just reading over it. And I, I told my husband, I said, you know, babe, I said, there's this one place that's right on our way back. I said, I really feel led that we're supposed to stop there. And he said, you know, I'm just tired. I just don't think that I'm, let's just wait till tomorrow. I said, no, it's right on our way. You'll just take a few minutes and, you know, who knows what God's going to do. And so, um, we did, we stopped it. We stopped at this place and, um, uh, the, um, the manager drove us around to one of the uh, vacant, it was like a little tiny townhouse, two-story little townhouse. And so we took a tour just like we just, you know, had money in the bank and was ready to fill out an application. We took the tour and we followed her back to the office. And so I asked my husband, I said, so what are you going to tell her? What, what are we going to do? And he said, you know what? He said, if, if God's behind this, he said, I'm just going to tell her the truth. I'm not, you know, what we're, we're here to start a church and this is what we have. This is our situation. So we walked in and she sat on her side of the desk and we sat on our side of the desk and my husband just proceeded to tell her, you know, um, we're, we're here to start a church. And before he could even get it out of his mouth, she stood, she put her hands on the desk. She stood to her feet and she said, you're kidding me. I've been praying for God to send someone to start a church here. Wow. I know. And so we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, okay, God. And so <laughs> he told her, he said, we don't have jobs. He said, but you know, we're responsible people and we do have, you know, we have people that are going to support us. And she said, you know what? She said, you just fill out that paperwork and you give me some references. And she said, I have to send this in, but she said, they go off of my recommendations. So let me get back your, let's get back your credit report. Uh, you know, she wanted a record from the people we had rented from before and all of that. And so um, we called her back uh, about five o'clock that evening. And she said, you know what? I haven't even heard back from headquarters, but I'm going to approve this. I'm pushing this through. You guys have the apartment. Wow. So that was just the beginning I'm telling you, Tiffany, that was just the beginning of miracle after miracle after miracle of us, you know, in Austin. And I mean, now, you know, like you say on, on your, I don't know if you said on the intro or the outro, but you do what you do and let God do what he does. You do the, you do what's possible and he'll do the impossible. Well, that's exactly what we did. We, we, um, we met some friends and they owned a window washing company. So we started doing custodial work and washing windows. And, um, we started substitute teaching at the schools and, um, you know, uh, my husband, he was even a medical assistant. He would walk into hospitals just like he knew what he was doing. And, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, it's kind of scary when you stop and think about it. You all can walk in hospitals and just act like they know what they're doing. But um, anyway, um, it was just, just amazing. There was one time whenever my husband was, um, we started, we started in a strip center. We started in one little tiny suite and had a little tiny bathroom in there. And so if anybody had to go to the bathroom, everybody knew about it. And it was just that tiny. I think maybe 50 or 60 people could fit in there. And so um, then as the church grew, we would add a suite and we would add a suite and add a suite. And so it was one of those times when we had added a suite or two and my husband, you know, the lettering that you put, you know, on the doors that says the name of the church and the hours and all that. Well, he was outside putting the lettering on the door and we needed a specific amount of money that day to pay the rent on the, on the church, uh, the rental property for the church. And so um, he was putting the lettering on and, and this woman pulled up in a car. He didn't know her. And she said, um, I, you see those apartments over there across the way, it was maybe half a mile away, but you could see them. And he said, yeah. And she said, well, I'm the manager of those apartments. And she said, I'm not going to church anywhere, but 
I've heard the voice of the Lord and he told me to come over here and give you, and I think it was, I don't know, $350 or whatever, but it was the exact amount that we needed that day to be able to, we had some of the, the rental, uh, the, the rent payment, but we didn't have all of it. And so she came and it was the exact amount that we needed, uh, to make rent that day. There was another time whenever we needed to pay the rent for the church and, um, and uh, we got an invitation from another local church, which, you know, it's sad to say, but local churches don't usually, local pastors don't usually ask another local pastor to come preach at their church. It's mm-hmm. just, if you're going to preach at another church, you, you go out of town to do it usually. But uh, this was our presbyter and he had been to Pensacola and had been really touched by God. And he asked us to come and minister on a Wednesday night. And so um, we needed, it was like, I don't know, like a thousand dollars, a thousand three hundred $54.56 or something. It was something weird like that. Okay. So um, my husband ministered, had great altar services, people slain in the spirit. And then afterwards we were given a check and it was the exact amount to the penny that we had to pay for our rent. And um, there was another time whenever um, we, we moved uh, from that little tiny, uh, that little tiny townhouse into another house. And every, every piece of furniture we had was falling apart from just the moves that we had. And so we put, we literally put every piece of furniture that we had out on the driveway and we sold it and we moved in, we were moving into this other rental home. The Lord had blessed us. We were able to get into a, a, you know, a little bit larger home where the kids could have a little bit bigger bedrooms and actually be able to move around uh, in there. I think Justin's bed had been just on the floor in the other, uh, the other townhouse. And anyway, so we just, we needed furniture and we just prayed and God spoke to a millionaire there in town. And he just called up and said, the Lord told me to give you $20,000. And so we were able to buy furniture uh, for that house and furnish that house. And then another time, um, uh, I don't know if it was the same man or not. I know this is terrible. I don't have my journals all in front of me right now, but the Lord gave us $10,000. So just chunks of money like that. And um, just right when we needed them. And we now up until that point, uh, we had we had good cars when we were. Uh, traveling, evangelizing, because that's all we had. Before we left for full-time ministry at the age of 19, we sold our home, our furniture, we sold everything so that we could afford to have a decent car that wouldn't be breaking down on us all the time traveling. So during those years, we had, we had really good cars. But then after that, we drove, we drove clunkers. We drove cars that were given (laughs) to us. We drove, uh, we drove little, you know, borrowed cars from an aunt, an uncle, uh, you know, uh, there was one morning now this was back um, back before we went to Austin but there was one morning when my kids were babies and I had dropped them off with the sitter and I was on my way to my job I was working for a law firm and this little clunker car that I was driving it was past E and I had zero money zero cash no credit cards, nothing to pay to, to get gas and I'm like Lord just please help me get to the office just help me get to the office. I can't be late. Um, and as I prayed, Tiffany, I watched the gas meter move up from below E to about an eighth of a tank. Yes. And so, I mean, I got to, I got to work that morning and I was telling everybody in the office, you're never going to believe what happened in my car on the way to work today. God gave me gas. Uh, so, I mean, you know, cause you're just so excited when God does things like that. It's, it seems so small to someone else, but it was huge for me. I had to get to work and there was no other way to get there, but you know, I, you didn't have cell phones back then. If you ran out of gas, you were stuck, you know, right. you had to walk somewhere. So, um, anyway, going back to Austin, another uh, and we were, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I mean, I was thankful for those clunker cars now. Right. I, I was, I was thankful. Um, but um, when we were in Austin, um, we, um, we, Justin was getting close to the age of 
learning how to drive. And so we only had one used vehicle that we were sharing between us. And we were just trying to figure out, you know, and the Lord had promised us that he was going to provide a car. He was going to provide, you know, a bigger home so that we could have, you know, groups in our home and just, you know, we didn't want a bigger home just to have a bigger home, but we wanted, every time the Lord gave us a word, we would share it with our children so that they could wait in anticipation and see the hand of the Lord provide. And this was one of those times. And, um, I remember, uh, my husband told our kids and Amy was, she would, we always thought she might be an attorney because she was always questioning. Okay. God, dad, you said God was going to give us a house. Where's that house? Or you said God was going to give us a car. Where's, when's that going to happen? You know? And so we get a call from some missionary friends of ours in Mexico that said, uh, he said, um, I, his name was Tom and he said, uh, pastor Randy, he said, God has told me that I'm to give you our car. Well, now Tiffany, as a pastor, in the United States, it, you just don't take from missionaries. You give to missionaries. Okay. That's right. the mindset that we have. And so he, he got off the phone and he told me, and I'm like, there's no way. And he was like, I know there's no way we can take their car. There's just no way they're in Mexico. They're missionaries, you know? And, um, and I was praying. I'm like, Lord, and this guy, he said, well, I'm driving it up. I'm driving the car up to you. So you just need, um, and I'm just going to yeah. leave it parked on your par- your driveway because God told me to give it to you. So I've got to be obedient. And um, so we're just praying about this, knowing that he's driving up and we're like, Lord, you have got to give us a word uh, to show us that this is what we're supposed to do because this is really, really hard, even though we need a car, but to take it from a missionary. And so um, I was praying about it and the Lord just showed me, he said, it's, it's, it's like, and it was around Christmas time. And so God talks to me in weird ways. And so he said, it's like I've given um, a, a big bag of candy to uh, an older brother and he's uh, he's going to be giving it uh, to his little sister. But when he does, I'm going to just give uh, I'm, I'm going to overwhelm him with with more candy. Wow. OK, I know that's just that's just the weird way God. But I, when God speaks to me, though, like that and I know it's him, then it's like it's settled. It's like, yep. OK, God, then I know that you've got a blessing coming for for the missionaries. They're they're acting out of obedience and they're giving us this car and then we're going to be able to bless them in return. But I didn't know how. Well, then I was within a day or two, we get a call from another businessman there in town. And he said, God has laid it on my heart to give Tom Schaefer, who was the missionary, $10,000. Wow. So whenever he got to our house to hand us the keys to that car, I still want to cry whenever I talk about it. When he got to our house and handed us the keys to that car, we were able to hand him an envelope with a $10,000 check in it. And that was what he needed. He needed $10,000. He didn't need a car. We needed a car and he needed $10,000. And so God just used that situation to meet his need and to meet our needs. And so we just have lifetime of stories like that, Tiffany, and it just, it still, it doesn't get old telling these testimonies of how God was so faithful um, uh, in our lives and just, he just provided. Um, uh, Pastor Suzanne, I have a few things like as you're, as you've been sharing all this one, I, I feel like. I just want to like run a marathon right now because I feel my spirit just leaping at just the faithfulness of God. And, and I feel like there's, there's people listening right now and, and maybe you're, maybe you're having a conversation in your head. Well, well that happened for them, but that wouldn't happen for me. And I want to share with you, the word of God says that he's no respecter of person. Absolutely. What he did for Pastor Suzanne, he can do for you. And there's a couple of things that the Lord's childlike faith is yeah. so important. It's huge. You heard Pastor Suzanne say, 
from a young age, when the Lord spoke, she just, it's done deal. Like he just spoke. I'm not going to, I'm not going to negotiate. I'm not going to ponder on it. He said something and it, he's going to fulfill his word. He is who he says he is. And, um, you know, as you're talking, I, I kept hearing this phrase that obedience births miracles. Like when we are obedient, we can go all through the word of God. Jesus tells the disciples, hey, go take those vases and fill them up with water and then go fill up everybody's cup. There was an instruction and they had a choice to obey. Yes. And out of their obedience, we know that the water turned to the best wine that that wedding had. And then we could look at the Peter when he's fishing. Jesus says, let your net down on the other side. He had a choice to make and he chose to obey so much so that his boat sank with blessing. The Levitical priests carry the ark across the Jordan. Well, they're looking at this body of water thinking, uh, you want me to carry this over there, but there's a large body of water. But they did. And the Bible says, as soon as their feet touched the water, the water split. And it's true in your life, Pastor Suzanne, every time the Lord has given y'all a word and you've reacted without hesitation, God has performed a miracle. He moves on our obedience. And it is like, it is what, it's so powerful to me. Like, and you know what else I love, Pastor Suzanne, is that in your life, you and Pastor Randy's life is a beautiful display of there's no plan A, B, C, D, Z. It's either God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Or, or it's, we're just, here we are. God's going to have to do something. And I feel like we all need to be, we all need to be in that place. We all in our relationship with the Lord to just be fully confident that he's a good father and that he can meet our needs and take care of us. And, and just being faithful with what he's, what he's given. That was another thing as you've been talking, like y'all have been faithful with the little, with the little rental at the very first time. And then God gave you a bigger space and then a bigger space. And, you know, you made the comment, it's not that y'all wanted like this big house, but it would be nice. And the scripture I heard is out of Matthew. It says, Jesus says, come and delight in your, in your master's happiness. Like mm-hmm. we, he wants us to, to delight in his happiness. He wants to give us good things. And, um, man, just as you were talking, there's just so much I was, I was thinking about, and it's, so encouraging. One other thing, Pastor Suzanne, this shook me. And in fact, I'm right. I'm taking notes as you're, as you're sharing this, this is, I I feel like minded in you in this, you said that you would share with your children, the words that the Lord gave you so that they could have anticipation to watch the Lord move. So if you're listening right now, that is a nugget of wisdom to take and to apply to your own life. That's something that I try to do so much when the Lord gives me a word or my husband a word, we go and share it with the kids. And and just like you said, I was laughing when you said you thought Amy should be an attorney. Cause I was like, Oh, that's my son, Benaya. Every time we tell him the Lord <laughs> said this, he's the same way. He's like, so mom, you say God was going to do this. Where's he at? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's pray about it. Let's remind the Lord, not that he forgets, but let's bring it before him in remembrance. And so anyways, it's so vital that we include our children into this relationship with Jesus so that they can have their own encounters so that they can, you know, experience his faithfulness too. Uh, yes, it's so true. And I read recently, um, and, and you may have heard this before. I've never really quite, because obedience has always been such a, um, a trigger, such a, like in a good way, like that, that there's so many things that are, that are, uh, uh, that are based on our obedience. And I read recently, someone put it like this, obedience is God's love language. Wow. And John four fifteen says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I mean, it's that simple. And in the old Testament, the Lord said, I set before you life and death, choose life. It always it always cracked me up that God really had to tell him to choose life, you know, but he had to tell him and he had to tell him more than once to choose life. But um, obedience, I, I, I really, my obedience to the Lord. Okay. So there's two aspects to this. Obedience has been a big part of my life because I love him and I want to please him. It's not because I'm afraid of him. And now there is a place for healthy respect and fear of the Lord. Okay. But 
I'm talking about our motivation for obedience can't be out of fear. It's got to be out of because we love him and we want to please him and we want to see what he's going to do when we obey and have that excitement in our lives. And you were talking about, you know, making sure we share it with our children and That was one thing that I shared back during the holidays, how important it is for us to um, to create um, legacy boxes is what I've called them. Um, And I'm creating one for each of my kids and each of my grandkids with with journals and and testimonies and stories, because it's one thing for them to read it in the word and for us to tell them. Yes, God created miracles. Uh, God God did miracles in the word for Moses and for Paul and for all of these people in the word of God. But it's another thing for them to read in their grandmother's handwriting what God did in her life and that he's still as faithful today as he was 6,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago. And that he will do the same thing in their lives because of what he has done in my life. And uh, I just feel like it's so important that we pass down from generation to generation uh, what God does in our lives. And like you said, as they grow up, make them a part of it. They don't need to be bystanders just looking on. They need to be participants in these miracles that God does in our lives. Yes. It cultivate an atmosphere in the home of, of expecting the Lord, but also it's like an invitation for, for our children to see, you know, life with Jesus. I say this a lot. It's, it's messy. There's, there's and there's downs and, and to bring our children into that and allow them to see, like, like you said earlier, you've got to count the cost. There's a cost to follow Jesus. There is a cost. And, and our children, I feel like it's important that our children know there's a cost to follow Jesus. And sometimes it's really hard. But out of a going back to your heart, out of love and reverence of the Lord, I want to do that. I think about just in the natural, like I want my kids to obey me because they love me and because, you know, they're I want them to be children of integrity and honor and good character and and to represent Christ. Right. And so and when they do obey, it it brings me so much joy. So then reflecting that to my relationship with the father and how he views me as his child. I want my father to be delighted in my obedience and I want him to be moved out of my obedience because I love him and I want to bring him honor. Yeah, because he is honored so much, so much by our obedience. And that, that is our, that is our tool to, uh, to lead others to Christ is to tell them our story. Our story is so powerful and we, we don't really we think we, because it happened to us, we kind of take it for granted. Oh, it's, well, that's my story. And, you know, it's not that big. It is a big deal. You know, uh, everybody has a different story. My testimony is not one of, you know, uh, of addiction and, you know, the Lord brought me out of, you know, but he, but he saved me at a young age. I was the first one in my family, in my immediate family to get saved. And then my, my parents and my brother, um, got saved. I don't think, I think like maybe like a year later and, um, they'll tell you that it was from seeing the change in me when I was 10 years old. Wow. I don't know. I need to ask my mom, what exactly did you see? (laughs) What was the change? I don't know if I started being more obedient or what, but um, anyway, uh, and then, you know, they watched me get filled with the Holy Ghost. I got filled, I I got saved at Community Church in Orange when I was 10 years old. My aunt and uncle were uh, evangelists, and that's how I got saved. And then whenever I was 12 years old, I was praying in my bedroom by myself, and that's how I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Wow. I love hearing stories like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so my dad saw that. I mean, he, he, that was what really triggered him. He, he said, I want what she's got, you know, I want the Holy Ghost. And even though he grew up in that, I was just sitting here uh, right before just talking about legacy and everything right before we got on the phone. I'm, okay. So my office here at home is um, maybe like a, a fourth office and three fourths nursery. 
<laughs> for my grandkids. <laughs> it's the playroom for them. And so I'm sitting here at my desk. This is the one area they kind of know, don't touch Susu's desk, but they're allowed to touch just about everything else in here. And um, I just looked up and I thought, Lord, how appropriate for you to have that. I didn't even realize it was here. I thought it was in another uh, a, a storage box, but it's a it's a book that my grandfather uh, wrote. He was a pastor and it's called Rightly Divided Scriptures That Speak on Prophecy. And he wrote this book and I just thought I've got to get copies of this book so that every one of my kids and grandkids can have that because, you know, I know you've written two books, but, you know, not everybody has someone in their family uh, or heritage that wrote a book, you know, so um you need to make sure that you you keep copies for your kids and your grandkids and and that you maybe write uh, to them. There's a message in the inside cover from my grandfather to to me and Randy. And, um, you know, that's precious to me. It's precious to me. And I have their Bibles. I have one of his Bibles, one of my grandmother's Bibles. Um and it's just, and so now with, which we love technology, but if we're not careful, that's the only way we read the word. We don't actually get out our, our leather bound Bibles. And, you know, I have, I have several that I've highlighted and I've got notes in the margin. I've got my Bible from whenever Randy and I were dating and, and, and I've got it written out in the margin uh, when he preached on a certain scripture and the date and, Anyway, those, I don't know where that came from, but I'm just saying how important it is to pass down all of those precious things in our lives to our kids and our grandkids, because I think that we're losing that. Uh, it just feels like that. Yeah. It's it, Things aren't passed down like they used to be, or people don't keep things like they used to. You know, we're trying to go to a paperless society. So, you know, we want everything. We want all of our pictures on a on an iPad. We don't want photo albums anymore. We don't want hard copies of things. And, and, um, and I understand. I understand that. I mean, I, I wish I could go paperless. I think I'm too old to even try to retrain myself. But but um, yeah, if you saw my office at, at, at the at the church and here, I've just papers and files and I just can't get away from it. But it's so important. And one thing that I did want to share, I felt like that this is something mighty um, that God gave me back in 2014. And I really wanted to share this talking about our story, story being our tool to tell others about Jesus and Tiffany, I just really feel like that we are on the cusp of seeing a great harvest of souls come in. And I, I just want to encourage everyone out there that, you know, don't be shy to tell your story. Um, don't be shy to ask someone if they need prayer. Um, if, if you get an opportunity, tell your story. Um, because I've this is what I feel like. I'm just going to give you a summary. I'm not going to give you the whole thing. I'm just going to give you a summary. And I call it kingdom dimension because I felt like the Lord told me that the, the, the body of Christ was going to enter into a new dimension. You know how we always talk about going to higher levels, but he purposely said not a new level, but it was going to be a new dimension and where we were limited by nothing. Wow. Nothing will limit us in this in this uh, time span. It, it's it's that dimension that Jesus operated in when he walked on water, when he turned water into wine. And we have access to that now. But what he showed me was that his power was going to hit the earth globally. Wow. It wasn't going to happen in pockets here or there or, you know, maybe this little town in England or this little town in Pensacola or this little town. It's going to happen globally. There's going to be a harvest of souls and uh, and God is going to truly move in us. And we will function in this dimension to where when we get up every morning, all that we're going to be able to think about is his purposes for us that day, which we should be doing that already, but it's just going to be so encompassing that we can't help ourselves. But when our feet hit the floor, it's like, oh, Lord, what is it today that you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? Where do you want me to go? And uh, it's because he, he he's going to come and touch the whole 
world, the body of Christ simultaneously. And he showed me the body of Christ. I mean, we really are united globally as one body and that we he showed me the body of Christ moving. I'm, I'm, I'm talking with my hands. I wish you could see me, <laughs> but he showed me the body of Christ just moving as one unit over wow. the globe and just like just moving and hovering over the globe and functioning and, um, and uh, uh, signs, wonders, and miracles were just going to be uh, a common occurrence. And those signs, wonders, and miracles would draw people into the houses of worship. But in past revivals, maybe signs, wonders, and miracles drew them into the church, but the love of Jesus wasn't there and they didn't stay. But this season that's coming, the love of Jesus is going to be so pronounced and so prominent in our life and in our churches, the way it's supposed to be already. But the there's not going to be any kind of uh, jealousy or strife or, you know, uh, it's going to be the way God meant for the church to be, and we're going to operate that way. And when people come in and they see the love of Jesus, that's what's going to keep them in um, in the body of Christ. And they're not going to get frustrated and leave the way they have in years past or uh, in, in historical revivals where, you know, we would see a great harvest of souls, but they didn't, they didn't stay because of the the carnality of Christians. And I'm not saying that there won't be any carnality, but I'm saying that we're going to be so transformed into the image of Jesus that he is going to be able to just exude light and love through us as individuals and as local bodies of believers and as the body of Christ all over the world. And this love will be what brings in the harvest of souls. And I'm just, I just can't wait. Um, it's, it's going to be a, a, a place where there's really time or space is not going to be um, a, a, an issue. It was almost, I thought during COVID, I thought that God was going to do it then because, you know, they're really, we all kind of lost our sense of time and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we, we were all having to be still and, and there was a lot of, I think, personal revivals going on during yeah. that time because we had, we had so much time to be able to spend with the Lord, but it's going to be a dimension where, I mean, where, where it's, it's this way now, but we're going to be so, um, so, um, what am I trying to say? I'm over 60. I lose my words every once in a while, uh, <laughs> but we're going to be so, it's going to be so apparent where that wow. God is omniscient and that he's the alpha and the omega. And that before he wow. saw you, um, before you were formed, he saw you before you were formed in your mother's womb. It's a place of faith, strength, and power in the Holy ghost. And, um, when, I was praying about this because I've never, this is the only global word that I've ever had. And the Lord's given me prophetic words before, and I've seen them come to pass. And this is just, this has been eight years now. And I was talking to the Lord one day and I said, Lord, when, when, when are we going to see this word fulfilled? And he said, what are you doing with that word, Suzanne? What, what are you, are you sitting on it? Are you just waiting for me? to, to, to hit, hit the earth with, he said, my power is there already. And he said, I'm waiting for obedience from my people. And he said, you have to walk outwards, just like whenever he gave the prophetic word to Abraham, that his descendants would be as the sand of the sea. I mean, Abraham had to start doing things and moving toward that word and walking that word out. Whenever God talked to Moses about delivering the children of Israel from Exodus, he had to walk that out. He had to step out in faith and I just had to repent. And I'm like, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm going to start walking this word out and that's when when he really put it on my heart for um for uh, me to help get our leaders ready and mm-hmm. our local body to mm-hmm. uh to just raise us up to another level and um 
and to uh, just get evangelism uh, to the forefront of the verbiage and the language that we use at One City Church. And it's not just for our church, it's for all churches, but this is our, this is my area, pastor and mine, this is our area of authority. And I am just wanting to encourage evangelism and discipleship because that's what this word that he gave me that's going to come to pass that's what that describes it describes evangelism it describes um discipleship and i'm like lord we have not made that as much a part of our lives as our as we're supposed to and um there are there are people in our church that have that are really good at that and um you know, I've, we've been, you know, some of those pastors that just, we just feel like that it's, and it is, it's our job to equip the saints for works mm-hmm. of service. But I, I I feel like that, you know, me personally, not my husband, he's done a great job, but me personally, I have been remiss in making um, evangelism and discipleship just part of the verbiage that we have um, in our culture, in the culture of our church. And I feel like that there's just this shift coming and um, I'm just really walking, trying to walk in obedience. And, um, and I'm trying to, I don't want to, I don't want to keep this to myself, just like I didn't want to keep that word to myself in, in 2014, because I felt like if I kept it to myself, you know, when the Lord, when the Lord gives you a word, if you don't share it and you don't speak it in faith, that's when the enemy can come and question you. Did you really hear from the Lord? You know, was that really him? Um, I mean, it's been eight years. Uh, Was that really him? And the Lord just laid it on my heart to start speaking this word, start speaking into it and start putting feet to the faith of this word and um, just start encouraging everything, you know, praying for people. If you don't pray for someone, how are you going to see a miracle or a sign or a wonder? You know, so many times we as Christians in this microwave age, we just expect God to just come down and just zap it, snap his fingers and zap us and throw us into, you know, uh, revival. And he has done that before. He has, he has done that in, in, in through uh, the history of the church. But this time I really feel like that the body of Christ, we are going to have to get, you know, the Lord showed me unity and obedience are huge for him. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They had unity and they had obedience and that resulted in unprecedented power on the day of Pentecost. We saw unprecedented power hit the earth. And so I feel like if we get unity and we get obedience at the core of what we're doing, that we can see unprecedented power move in the earth once again. Amen. I, I sense that too. I, I am in full agreement with you, Pastor Suzanne. I sense that we are we are so close to just a move of God like we've never seen before. Um, and and just the I had a dream a few months ago, and I won't go into the details of the dream, but just an ur- when I woke up out of that dream, just an urgency that to 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 share the gospel to yeah. start just living more boldly and more radical. And, uh, I mean, the dream really shook me. And so I was just like, man, we now more than ever, it's, I feel like, you know, what the enemy meant for bad, God will use for good. And I feel like as a, as a church body, as the church of Christ, we have been set up for, we live in exciting times. God has like literally set us up for a harvest because people right now are so, they're so desperate for hope. They're so desperate for the gift that we have as believers who is Christ Jesus that it's it it appears to me very easy to share the gospel with people because they are just longing for hope. They're longing for something that is, you know, stability and strength. And that comes from Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. Yes. And, and so I have I have to just sensed an urgency. And, you know, I one thing I, I love to pray is that that my family would preach the word and power, but that demonstration would follow Paul. We yes. Paul. Paul always preached the word and power and then demonstration followed. Mm. Like we declare the word of the Lord and then signs and wonders take place. And th- it's setting people up to have an encounter with the love of Christ. 
where they're never the same. And then the importance again of just doing life with people, coming alongside of them and loving them through their mess to the feet of Jesus. I mean, but that that's what Jesus did. He meet Jesus meets people where they're at and loves them through their mess. Yes. And, and and that's what we're called to do, to meet people where they're at and to love them through that to the feet of Jesus. And so I'm just encouraged with your word. And it just reminds me of the dream that I had. And again, just this urgency and um, just to be uh, intentional in prayer. God, give me a spirit of boldness. God, open my eyes to see the person at the grocery store that needs a hug. You know, sometimes it's not about saying something to somebody. Sometimes it's a gesture. Sometimes the Lord Mm -hmm. might say, you know, pay for that single mom's groceries behind you or mm-hmm. pay for that, you, you know, a woman in the faith that just lost her job or go bring a meal to your neighbor or instead of just rushing inside, having a conversation, just a gesture, because we can be a representation of Christ without necessarily sharing the word of God. We can, we can, God's love through us can minister to somebody, but just in our prayer life, asking father, like you said, God, what do you have for me today? Who do you want me to minister? Or just God, help me be aware of my surroundings. And if you want to use me to minister to somebody, I pray that the spirit of boldness would come on me to do what you have called me to do, to fulfill what you have called me to fulfill for today. And it's so satisfying when God does it. It it is. And it's like what you said, you hit, you hit, uh, you said a word you said rushing instead of just rushing in and rushing out. And that is a key to what it's going to take to be able to do these things is we have got to slow down and be willing to take an extra five minutes or 10 minutes or more than that. If that's what it takes to go into a coffee shop and start a conversation with someone and not just be rushed to run in and get the coffee and, and leave and get in our car and rush off to the next place. We've got to train ourselves to slow down so that God can speak to us and use us to touch lives. Yes. And you know, I've experienced times where the Lord has asked me to do something and you know, you have that thought, Oh, I'm going to be late if I do this or if Mm -hmm. I do that. And, and I'm always reminded God is outside of time when we obey him. So good. That clock just goes backwards. You're not late to your thing, or there's grace in that situation for the next place you have to be. Like when we obey God, man, he just, just what the it all of this sums up into when we do what's possible and possible is whatever God asks us to do and yes. then we allow him to do the impossible the supernatural I remember when we were looking for a house and I was getting so overwhelmed and that's when the Lord spoke to me he said Tiffany I've never called you to do the impossible and that's what you're trying to do that's my mm-hmm. job yeah. and he said Tiffany I need you to do what's possible and so in that moment I thought well what's possible okay we apply for a loan at the bank now it's up to God, if we get, if we get, um, they accept it. Okay. Well, they accept it. Okay. God, now what are you asking me to do? That's possible. Okay. And I made this next step and then I saw God do the impossible. And so that's something that has just really changed my perception on the way I do life is like, if I feel myself getting overwhelmed or striving, I immediately think I'm trying to do the impossible and that's not my job. That's the Lord's job. Well, and really, Tiffany, what we're doing when we do that is we're trying to take glory from him. When we try to do the impossible instead of letting him do the impossible. I mean, that's a serious thing. It is. And it's oh, just the, hearing that. It's like, yuck. And it's exhausting. <laughs> it's straight. Oh, up exhausting. so exhausting. Yes. I love when God is in something and I immediately surrender and s- submit. There is such a level of grace and just ease and And maybe even if there's not ease, maybe if there's something that I have to work through, I still have a peace that surpasses all understanding because I'm obeying the voice of my father. Yes. Yes. All through those years in Austin, we always had a peace. There were hard times and there were, I mean, there was a lot of eating, a lot of beans and rice and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you know, but we had a peace and our kids, they never knew the difference. Right. They never, they look back on it now and they're like, mom, we never felt like we were doing without you know? Amen. Oh, so good. Pastor Suzanne, man. Well, I've enjoyed this. I can do this all day long. (laughs) Just talk (laughs) about God and what he's done and his goodness. And he's just so, he's so uh, faithful. He is is ever faithful. He is ever 
faithful. Um, well, Pastor Suzanne, to wrap this episode up, I would love if we could just take a few minutes and pray. And I would love for you to open in prayer and uh, of just whatever the Lord would have you share. And then I'll close up prayer and then uh, we'll conclude this episode. Well, Father, we just give you glory. That's what this podcast is all about, is giving you glory for all the things that you have done, all the things that you are doing, and all the things that you are going to do. And Father, we just magnify your name. We ask you to uh, continue to lead us and guide us uh, into this season, Lord, where when we wake up in the morning, that's the first thing on our minds is what would you have me do today, Lord? And just I just pray that you will, everyone that listens to this podcast, that you will just burden their heart for lost souls and that you will help us realize the seriousness of the hour that we live in. And we're just so thankful for your mercy, Lord, your mercy for, uh, for, for, for people and for your children. Lord, we just thank you for the love story that has, that has gone from, from the garden till now you have been pursuing your children. You have been pursuing mankind. You want, you want an intimate relationship with us, Lord, help us not to ever take that for granted, Lord. And I thank you so much for, um, for just, I have to remind myself that you you live inside me, Lord. You're not up in heaven somewhere far away in some abstract place, but you live inside us. And if we will yield to you living inside us, you will work through us every day. And Father, we just give you glory. I thank you for Tiffany. I thank that, I pray that you will just continue to bless her with this podcast and that um, you will give her... Um, listeners, Lord Jesus, so that they can hear um, you being glorified in Jesus name. Yes, Father. And I, I just want to, if you've been listening to this episode and you, you find yourself in a situation where if you were to die today, you don't know that you would go to heaven. You don't know that you would go to hell, that your salvation is, you don't know where that's at. It's not secure. I want to share the gospel with you. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The heart of your heavenly father is that you be reconciled to him and that you spend eternity in heaven with him. And, and so Jesus came in the form of flesh and he lived a sinless life. He lived perfect and he took on our bad choices and our sickness and our disease. He took upon himself our sin and he stood in your place and he carried it to the cross. And the Bible says that he was beaten beyond recognition, meaning that you couldn't even recognize who Jesus was due to the, the blows that he took to his body. His body was literally broken for us. And he hung on a cross and he died and he was buried in three days. He rose again and he's coming back. And the Bible says those who call in the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And so if you're in this situation, today is the day of your salvation. And the Bible says, all you have to do is call in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I, I, I want you to live in my life. I want you to take the throne of my heart. I want to live a life worthy of the call that you have placed on it. And, and it's done. Your, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I love, this is one of my favorite uh, verses. And I, I think of just the picture it portrays. It says the angels rejoice in heaven when mm. you say yes to Jesus. And so if you have just asked Jesus to come and live in your heart by faith, you've confessed it with your mouth and you believe it in your heart. There are literally angels in heaven right now celebrating over your decision to say yes to Jesus. And I can promise you it's the best decision that you could ever make in the most important one. And so father, I thank you for those who have said yes to you, God. And I pray Lord that you would get them connected to their local body. God, you would bring godly men and women into their life to disciple them and to help them walk through this life just glorifying you and getting to know you and living their life for you. God, I pray right now 
for everyone hearing my voice for a spirit of boldness to come upon us, God, to preach the good news, God, in power and demonstration. Lord, that we would be children of obedience. One of my favorite scriptures, I keep saying favorite, but it's true. I have a lot of favorites is Caleb. The Bible says that Caleb was of a different spirit. He fully followed God. I pray, Lord, that we would be men and women that Mm. fully follow you, that we would be of a different spirit, that people in our sphere of influence would say there's something different about him. There's something different about her and I want it. And we'd have opportunity to share the love of Christ with them. God, I pray that people would begin to share their story. They would begin to share their testimony of what you've done in their life. They would begin to have a a courage to stand up and say, this is what the Lord's done for me. He took my feet from Mari Clay and he set me on a firm foundation. God, I thank you that you're in the business of redeeming and restoring and reconciling. So Father, I thank you. I thank you for Pastor Suzanne's stories and your faithfulness woven all throughout her life. I thank you for her obedience. I thank you for God, just the woman you have created her to be. And God, that that she is on a mission for you. I thank you, God, that she is a woman on a mission for the kingdom of God. May we all be like that. May we be on the mission that you have set out before us. Just like Paul said, eyes forward, going after the prize, God. I pray, Lord, that, that you would just go before us and that you would lead us and guide us. I thank you for for another episode, God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. I declare victory over every person listening to my voice in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Pastor Suzanne, I'm so thankful again that you took time out to have a conversation with me and to share some of the things that God has done. Um, It's just been an honor. Thank you for having me, Tiffany. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, that is going to conclude our episode on Testimonies with Tiffany. Remember, you do what's possible and let God do what's impossible. Thanks for listening to Testimonies with Tiffany. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review online. To catch all the latest from Tiffany, you can follow her on Instagram at TifferTom, and you can subscribe to her email list to get exclusive updates at TravisAndTiffanyTombry.com. That's all spelled out. (laughs) Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.